With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back in hour number two of the Lombardi line presented by bet MGM here on this Friday from the South Point Sportsbook studio in Las Vegas. I'm Ben Wilson. Thanks to our producer, the great Stephen Bond behind the glass. We've got Kevin the house as well on audio. Liz Foster, outstanding technical director, Jeff uh, as well downstairs uh, on our, our graphics operations as well. Lot to get to in hour number two. Michael, we'll have Josh Applebaum join us in about a half hour. Uh, some more NFL talk around the league. A bunch of injuries popping up today. I guess, you know, we get all excited right for camp and then you get two days in and guys are already banged up. So uh, shocking news there, Michael. But we'll have a few very interesting cases to get into. Um, also want to discuss Dallas when we were together on Tuesday, talked about uh, that initial press conference, Jerry Jones coming out saying he was in total support of Mike McCarthy with McCarthy sitting right next to him on the dais. Uh, I know you, you, uh, you had something to say about that in your uh, article. We were talking about that last hour, right? You wrote about, a little bit about McCarthy and what you, what you are hoping to see out of him and Kellen Moore here coming out for Dallas this season. You know, I think if, if you're Mike McCarthy, you can't focus on anything but making the offense improved in terms of being able to have some consistency and not go through those lapses that they typically went through last year. And you've got to get Kellen Moore to be able to get the ball to the players he's got to get the ball to. You've got to be able to use your expertise and kind of immerse yourself into that offense. I mean, the one thing McCarthy has done in his career is won a title with a Super Bowl. He's won a Super Bowl with a quarterback. I think he's got to be more energetic and, and involve himself into the offense because there are times when the Cowboys, you know, disappear. There's some of their players, they just disappear. They can't quite, they don't adjust during the game. They don't make great adjustments offensively. And, and for all the talk that Kellen Moore gets as being this incredible offensive coordinator, and look, they racked up a ton of yards. They led the league in points scored last year. There's no doubt about it. But they've got to do better in certain situations in terms of being able to get the ball down the field and get it in the end zone and, and take over games. And I think that's ultimately, if I'm McCarthy, that's what I'm going to focus most on. It, no doubt. And, and part of that press conference as well from Jerry. Jones saying kind of the quote you would have expected to hear that the Cowboys need to be viable in the playoffs. We saw the, uh, the uh, you talk about in-game adjustments and just game management in general. We saw how they mangled the end of the game in their loss against the 49ers a season ago. There's been that bitter taste in the mouth, I'm sure, of any Cowboy fan or better from a futures standpoint from a season ago. Uh, you talked, though, Michael, about all the points scored. It's funny that, like, the odds for the Cowboys, say, to lead the league in points, highest offense, those odds are way down the board. They're more like 12, 14 to 1. They're really not in the mix. Uh, are, you, are you thinking that in general uh, the fall off will happen at least the way the odds makers are projecting it to this year based on some of those concerns you have about the play calling in general well I think a lot of those numbers are reflective because they lost they've lost two receivers right you know so they lose Wilson who was a good player for them and then they lose Amari Cooper so they lose you know you've got to replace those guys and right. you know they've added James James Washington who has got you know I liked him coming out of Oklahoma State but he hasn't really developed as a great receiver in the pro in pro football you know Gallup's coming off of an injury so they've got C.D. Lamb and then who else is there and I think that's a reflection of that. And Dalton Schultz is still a good, a good player, but they, I think a lot of that is just because of who's gone, you know, and where are they going to get their, where are they going to get their receptions from? Who's going to increase and who's going to get the yards and who's going to pick up the 104 targets that uh, Amari Cooper had last year and his 68 catches? Who's picking that up, right? So, and I think, and you know, I mean, look, Wilson. 
for what we want to talk about. Wilson was was really a good player for them. He only started four games, but, you know, he, he was targeted 65 times. He caught 47 passes, you know, and so he was able to make some plays. You know, 61 times he caught 45 passes. That's pretty darn good, 13.4-yard average. So he's at 74% almost in terms of target to catches. Those you got to pick that. Somebody's got to pick that up. Right. But I think this. I think they also got to get more out of Zeke. Zeke right now is just an inside the tackle runner, and they've got to figure out Tony Pollard is so good. I mean, he's so talented. He averages five and a half yards a carry. He can make plays in the passing game. It's really, uh, you know, he, he's he's a multi-dimensional player that I think they need to get more out of. You know, they need to get way more out of them when you really break them down. You know, he had 39 catches last year, averaged 8.6. That's what, I mean, he's got to get over nine, I think, and he's capable of doing it. And you think about, too, you speak to Pollard and his just general efficiency. Only Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry have actually averaged more yards after contact than Tony Pollard, if you go back to the 2019 seasons. And it, it makes me think, is it time to start, instead of phrasing this of, okay, is it Zeke versus Pollard for that number one running back spot? Is it more like, should we start to phrase this as a true tandem that some people have suggested, Michael? Do you, do you, do you feel that way now, given, uh, like we talked about here, there has been a lot of efficiency when they've used Pollard the way that has at least put him in good situations to have success well you know it's funny because when they they could use both of them at the same time Pollard's got such good receiving skills that he could make up for it and you could have Zeke in the game and you know Zeke has really good receiving skills now he doesn't quite have the same burst that he once had but he's still an effective player and look well for all the talk about Zeke and the the the, the trip to Mexico and all that stuff Zeke is well loved in that locker room and he watches tape every single morning with with the quarterback Dak Prescott. I mean, he is really involved and he's the leader of the team. So you can't really just remove him from the team because he's got so much involved with that team. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, you know, that's at the running back position. We always we always wonder too for Dallas and you think about the offensive line as well. That was a, a, a position group last year where Lyle Collins in and out with injury basically all season. He leaves. Terrence Steele had a very solid year, the former undrafted free agent as a rookie coming in. Um, where do you assess this O-line now for Dallas, the fact that Collins is out, they have Steele, they're really relying on him to, to take a, certainly another big leap in Big D this year? Well, I mean, he played well, and I think Smith's the question mark. I had Smith as a blue-chip left tackle, and he is. When he plays, he's a really good player. He is a really good player. But the problem is when he does it, all of a sudden they get into some problems with their offensive line because of that. You know, and I thought Steele came in and gave him a really solid play at right tackle. Now they've got to get better play. I thought Connor Williams hurt him in that playoff game. I mean, when you watch that playoff game, Connor Williams wasn't very good against San Francisco. DJ, DJ Reed really gave him a lot of problems. So they draft Tyler Smith in the first round. That should help him. But they, the depth is the problem, right? Where are they going to get? If, if we know that Smith gets hurt, which he always does, who's going to go play left tackle? Are they going to put Steele over there and put Josh Ball at right tackle? Those are things we've got to find out. Looking at it, too, I mean, you think the, of the Jep chart as well, and Connor McGovern is really the only other player who has at least had, you know, who has a legitimate amount of starting experience, but that's not a tackle guy you're, you're going to look at. That's more of an interior player, no, so no, it's not something. It. Yeah. I mean, they draft it. They've got to find it somewhere else. That's where they got to find it. Would, would agree with you on that. So you think about the off offensive side of the ball for Dallas, and, and that has certainly been the big focus, but uh, what about defensively a team that was so dynamic with turnovers and, and a, being able to flip field position so quickly? Uh, Micah Parsons, you and I had the conversation on the GM shuffle a few weeks ago where you stack him in as far as talking blue chip, red chip. Uh, where, where do you stand on Parsons now heading into 2022 given, uh, given his, uh, his ability to be such a dynamic playmaker right away as a rookie? Well, I, th- I think obviously he's going to increase his role, increase his knowledge. He's going to really grow, and I think he's going to become, you know, an even better player next year than he was last year. And, and, and look, they, there's there was moments last year where their offense, their defense was strong. I mean, you go back to that Raider game; they gave up over 500 yards in that Raider game. You know, when they played the Chargers, even though that week three of the season they gave up a ton of yards, they forced two turnovers. I think that's going to be the critical component here: is that can they come back? modify the scheme you know in the wild card game they only forced one turnover and they they were able and teams and and the 49ers ran the ball for 169 yards on them are they going to be able to modify the scheme a little bit to continue to get those turnovers that's the question mark ben i mean you know it's always hard to predict can you recreate the turnovers 
that's a challenge. I mean, they led the league in creating turnovers, and it's always hard to do that. You know, it's always hard to do that. And they played the second least amount of plays to, of, of any team on drives. So they were getting off the field. They were getting mm-hmm. off the field because they played less defense. Man, that's one of my big things is when you play less defense, you play better defense. If they continue to do that, they'll be. But it's always hard to duplicate that because when you look at them, I mean, they get, they're past defense. And I know it's always challenging to throw the ball, you know, with uh, – you know, when you're trying to throw the ball against them because they create so many turnovers with with Steph, with Diggs back there uh, making plays on the ball. But but you can throw the ball. I mean, that's what the Raiders did. The Raiders stayed away from Diggs. They just went after Anthony Brown. Now, of course, they got called for a bunch of pass interference calls, right. which we could debate that. But it was, you know, it was fairly impressive. You think, too, about you mentioned Trayvon Diggs as well. Guy picks off 11 passes a year ago, also gives up over 1,000 passing yards, the most, uh, just about the most of anybody in the NFL. So the guy who's been very much uh, you know, a polarizing guy when you think of the boomer bust nature of which he plays in, if teams are adjusting the scheme like you kind of suggest, and we saw at times with certain offenses last year, what does that mean for Diggs as a whole coming out for 22? I think you got to be really careful going after Diggs because he's a he's a, one of those guys that you know you can make some plays on him, but you could also he's gonna he's gonna make some on you. You got to be careful. He's not a shutdown like Jalen Ramsey going to shut you down. He's a playmaker back there, so you got to pick your spots. You got to always try to double move him. You can't let him read the quarterback's eyes and move on it. So you've got to be aware of him. But you got Anthony Brown on the other side, and I and I think you got to take advantage of that. I think you've got to be able to say, okay, we're going to have to go over to Anthony Brown. But the key to the success of their pass defense all relates to their ability to put pressure. And, look, we, we didn't talk about this, but Lawrence didn't have his best year. A lot of injuries. The guy that they got to replace that I think is challenging will be Gregory, who I thought was yeah. really good. Now, Fowler's got to come in and play like that. That's going to be the key. Randy Gregory losing, losing him in free agency. Yes, look, Demarcus Lawrence back but yeah where, where are you going to get uh, as far as production around him that, like there's just there's so many question marks for Dallas entering this year end of the day it's funny how the Eagles and their quote-unquote uh, all-star team that Miles Sanders said getting all the buzz in the betting market there's reasons where we have maybe some doubts about Dallas but you still have to think Michael like as we just just discussed there's still plenty of talent and pieces for them to be a winning football team this year no doubt. I mean, look, the Eagles, I mean, the Eagles didn't stop them. I mean, the last game of the season, nobody, you know, the Eagles didn't play in that game. But the reality of it is, is when you watch that game, I think it was week four, the, the Eagles never could really stop them. Can the Eagles do something? You know, the one thing the Cowboys have been able to do is if they protect, they're going to throw the ball to the Eagles. It'll be a fascinating NFC East race this year. When you, when you mentioned, yes, look at the tape from the Eagles-Cowboys games a season ago, and now all the expectations we have. Those two teams won two in the odds board for the NFC East this year, Cowboys and Eagles. Uh, we've got some injury news and notes to get to, some concerning situations around the NFL highlighted in Tampa Bay. We'll get Michael's takes on those when we return here on the Lombardi Line. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. 
Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. VEASAN College Football Guide is out now. Start your football season on the right foot with expert profiles of all 131 teams, including team trends, power ratings, and over-under recommendations. Plus, our best season win total bets, Heisman hopefuls, and playoff predictions. The only way to get access to this year's football betting guide is to become a VEASAN All Access subscriber. Sign up for VEASAN All Access today and get everything we offer for the entire football season, including our upcoming pro football betting guide. Subscribe now at VEASAN.com slash subscribe we're here into the first week of nfl training camp as well um, back with michael lombardi i'm ben wilson we're what six days away michael from the hall of fame game man that's off season yeah. it's happened quick next thursday already we got the jags and raiders i think the raiders are favored by a point and a half for those who are wondering not that anybody should really bet on that but in case you were wondering michael that's the line uh, nobody will play. Let me just say <laughs> this. If you're play. betting on it, you know, you're not going to see any of the Raider players. You're probably not going to see any of the Jacksonville players. This is going to be a lot of twos versus twos, threes versus threes. And if you can handicap that, you're a hell of a lot better than I am. I can promise uh, you that. You and me both. I uh, amen to uh, the statement you just made. I, yeah, not be hand, not, We'll not be betting on the Hall of Fame game. I'll be watching it just because I've been missing football. Um, but now that we're into that first week of camp, a lot of guys getting banged up. We go around the league. There are some, uh, some pretty significant names as well. Uh, we were talking Niners earlier, Michael, and your general expectations for them now that they have announced Trey Lance as the official starter. Uh, Eric Armstead goes down uh, with an MCL sprain. Kyle Shanahan saying this morning expected to miss a few weeks with that. So a Niner team, I only bring that up just because it's, it's a team that's been of the most injury laden over the past couple of years. It's been San Francisco and now Armstead, uh, who's been in and out with injury as well. He's back on the shelf with a MCL. You know, and, and, and it's interesting because there's no pads on, right? This is just an injury that has happened in, in uh, OT, almost like an OTA day. You mm -hmm. know, it's funny. We, we don't ever get these injuries during OTA days. But for some reason, we get them during training camp. It's kind of strange. But, look, you, it's a delicate balance. You've got to practice football. You've got to be able to play well. But you also got to be able to stay healthy. I mean, the Eagles have decided. I mean, they practiced 58 minutes the other day. I mean, their, their, their mindset is we're not going to practice that hard. We're going to take days off. We're going to get the team healthy. I think you got to prepare your team to be mentally tough. I mean, I think you got to prepare your team to be ready for the fourth quarter of these games in September where you're going to reach down and have to really grind and find a way to win. San Francisco came into Philly last year, week two of the season, and beat them. They were just more ready to play than Philadelphia was. So I think that's going to be Nick Sirianni's challenge. That's going to be Kyle Shanahan's challenge. How do I get the team ready but also get them healthy? Yeah, look, it's not, not like anybody's expecting this to be the Vince Lombardi 1961 training camp for Green Bay, but it's like, you, I mean, there's got to be a middle ground, as you're certainly suggesting. But we'll see where this, where this develops, and at least for San Francisco, another uh, key piece out. Again, expected to miss a few weeks there. Uh, I, th I also thought this was funny, Michael. See the report on Taysom Hill suffers a ribs injury. Now, they, they say uh, New Orleans Saints tight end and part-time quarterback Taysom Hill suffers a rib injury. I guess that's what we're calling uh, him now, is? apparently. He's, yeah. Ben, well, he's the MVP candidate of the league. I hope you put some money on him because <laughs> I mean, he does I, two I things really well. I mean, you know, like, I don't see why you would ignore him as the MVP. I mean, he does two things really well. Two things. That, hey, that sometimes that might be, I don't know, will it be enough? Well, he's, he's, got, a, he's got a rib injury I mean, right Judge, now. Judge just keeps dominating the, for the Yankees. I mean, did you see that home run he hit last night? Oh, I mean, my yeah. God. 39th you know, of the year. I don't know what more this guy has to do. I mean, but, but you know, he plays two sports, so we got to give it to him. We play, he does two things, even though he's on one of the worst teams in baseball. Taysom Hill. I thought winning mattered. You know, I you thought know. winning mattered. I thought 
being on a bad team, even if you're a good player, I thought winning mattered. Stephen Bond, don't 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 laugh at me. I thought winning mattered. Stephen's chief. Stephen Bond, uh, Buffalo Bill, longtime fan. He's shaking. Don't his you head think back winning there. matters, Stephen Bond? I, I mean, come on now. I mean. Isn't it important? If you're the most valuable player to the league, that means you've helped your team win. Come on, Steven. What do That's we how I've always interpreted that award. Uh, Michael, I'm right with you. I am. I'm trying to get this mic in place here. I apologize. I'm right Thanks, with Steven. you. I, that's why I think Josh Allen's the MVP this year. The Bills are going to do a lot of winning. I'm behind that MVP movement. But, yes, I agree. It's, it's, I, I, Aaron Judge is, to me, the MVP ahead of Shohei. Shohei is fun. This is, this is entertainment. Let's be entertained by it. But he's not doing either thing at an MVP level. From ta- I, That's right. From Taysom just Hill because to he does it twice. Yeah, I mean, you know, just because I make coffee and ham and, and pancakes in the morning doesn't mean I'm the MVP of the kitchen. Like seriously, I just because I do both those mm-hmm. things, it doesn't matter. You know. I mean, I look personally. I, I, I mean, think I that's just, a big. I don't know how we got on that. I don't know how we did it. Well, know. I mean, you know, I try to do what I can do, Ben. But you know, the key is you got to be able to figure this. You know, I mean, it's about the who helps you win. Winning matters. The last time I checked. Last time we all we all checked. Uh, speaking of Stevens Buffalo Bills here, Micah Hyde apparently suffers a, an injury uh, today. I know I bring that up because he was one of your blue chip uh, safeties you released on the on the GM shuffle. Good player, uh, still being evaluated right now. Ian Rappaport with a uh, comment from uh, NFL Network that the injury is considered relatively minor, but apparently Josh Allen took a took a nick uh, in in one of those practices yeah. from Ed Oliver today. So, I mean, um, yeah, that's interesting. I, I think ultimately this look guys that have experience, you know, they know how to play all that. You know, like running backs for me, I, I, I think running backs, they need to protect. They under, need to figure out the protection scheme. You don't want them getting hit as much as they need to get hit in, in training camp. But, you know, there are certain these bumps and bruises. The reason we don't hear about it much in the spring is because, A, the teams don't have to report it. And if a guy misses a couple of days, nobody says anything. But now everybody's aware that all the people are going out to practice, practice uh, unless they're in Washington, which nobody w- wants to go watch that practice. Uh, the pictures from yesterday, there were maybe six people, and uh, <laughs> they're watching the commander's practice for what it's worth. Uh, the, the coach comes out uh, yesterday, Ron Rivera, and says Chase Young, they expect him to miss the start of the regular season now as he rehabs from that ACL injury. So, yeah, not a lot of positivity coming out of commander's uh, camp so far. The, the big injury news, though. Now, I'm that, never gonna, uh, I'm going to have a hard time. i got to be honest, Ben. I'm yeah. going to have a hard time calling the commanders. I mean, I'm, th- I'm going to probably end up calling on the Commodores. I mean, like, why can't they? <laughs> Lionel Richie should sing the national anthem at every game, and they should just be the Commodores. I mean, why not? Like, I mean, seriously, they're, they're why can't they just be the Commodores? Attendance might rival Vanderbilt this year. I mean, that that is one that might be they, a they very might, distinguishable it, thing. If they call themselves the Commodores and Lionel Richie does the, they might get some people to come. Maybe Lionel will play at halftime too. Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. Commodores, Commanders. We're, I'm, I'm trying to start the practice right now for you, Michael. I know Patrick will too when he, when he comes back. That's just part of the, part of the deal. Uh, so that was the case with Chase Young in Washington. Uh, how about the Ryan Jensen injury news? So that's really the big significant one. That broke yesterday morning. We had was on uh, with Wes Reynolds here in, in your stead uh, there. Michael was, was getting his thoughts on it. We both felt like that was a very significant um, injury for Tampa Bay. And it comes out this morning for me and Rappaport that uh, the team is awaiting final word right now. But the fear is that he suffered a season-ending knee injury Todd Bulls saying it's well, at least did. several months, and we think this is probably going to be it uh, for the season here for Jensen. I mean, when a kid throws his helmet and when they, when they tell you they fear it, then basically what they, all they're doing is waiting for the MRI to confirm what they already know. So, unfortunately, Ryan Jensen's – I mean, there's a 99% chance Ryan Jensen's not going to play football this year. And now what they have to do in Tampa Bay is figure out where they're going to find somebody. And it's early enough. You know, maybe they go see J.C. Treader, who was – you know, who's not signed to a contract now. Maybe they can offer him a deal and he'll want to come in and play. But that's what happens. I mean, you know, that's what you have to do. You're going to have to find – I mean, they drafted a kid in the second round. You know, you, maybe you just got to put him in at center. He played guard. You know, they played guard at Michigan, at Central Michigan, Luke Gottecki. So they'll put him in. Maybe they'll teach him how to play center. I mean, that's why they drafted him. He's a big kid. He's athletic. They've got some hope for him. I mean, you know, there's an opportunity to now take over. That's what you have – That's what. that's why you need depth. And you think about what they – thinking about the, lack, the potential for lack of depth for Tampa in the offseason, that's why they give Jensen a three-year, $39 million uh, contract to return, really the, the pivot guy for Tom Brady. Uh, if, 
like depending on how so we saw in Green Bay last year where they had all sorts of issues at left tackle but they were able to figure out the patchwork of it and for the most part they did a decent job of protecting Aaron Rodgers but for a center position how, how much different is that when you're trying to if, if you don't have an answer I know you say Michael there's, there's certainly time here we're certainly in the early aughts of training camp but what is the actual impact if you if you have to play patchwork all year at that center position compared to say like a left tackle or a right tackle depending on, on your quarterback's blind side that guy's got to be really smart. I mean, if you just go through the centers that played with Tom Brady over his career, they've been really smart. And they're on the same page. You know, they know what to do. Ryan Waddell was never even drafted. I mean, he was an undersized guy, played. You know, David Andrews wasn't even drafted. Under, you know, and he played. They're really smart. And so they're in direct community. You know, it, the hard part with putting a rookie in there is if he's got to be really smart. Does he understand the protections? Does he understand what Tom wants to do and can help Tom along the way and make sure everybody gets blocked up front? That's the challenge. Yeah. And Jensen was that guy for him. Such a huge piece that you're missing. Remember, you know, communication is one of the biggest things in football. you got to be able to communicate with one another. It's one of the reasons why Belichick would never put jersey numbers on people. He wanted the players to talk out there at practice. He wanted them to know who the guy playing next to him was. And so because of that, he, he didn't want jerseys on. Anyway, you got to talk. Talk to the guy. Know who the guy is communication is going to be the critical yep. component. And that's where I think they'll probably go with a veteran because Brady's going to want somebody he can trust snapping him the football. We're seeing a lot of the rumors here, Michael. J.C. Treader, free agent formerly with Cleveland. He is the uh, president of the NFL Players Association, played at Cornell. Very good uh, grades on him when he was when he was playing there with Cleveland. Is that, would that make sense to yeah, you no, as a guy a they player. target? That would make a lot of sense if they can afford if they can afford Seeing a lot of articles. J.C. Treader could be on the next flight to Tampa Bay. We'll see if we'll see how quickly Tampa Bay moves with that. But the big injury so far of camp to hit Ryan Jensen feared out for the season there as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers starting center. When we return, we'll visit with Josh Applebaum. We'll also close the show with some more NFL thoughts for Michael on his blue chip and red chip players. That is still to come in our final half hour right here on the Lombardi line. Lombardi line presented by bet MGM final half hour of the show. It has flown by so far with the Michael Lombardi at M Lombardi NFL. I'm Ben Wilson. Thanks to our outstanding producer, Stephen bond behind the glass. We welcome in now Josh Applebaum, who you see weekdays on betting across America, three to 4 PM Eastern here on the network and also host of his daily market insights podcast. How we doing Josh uh, into, into the throes of training camp by uh, any, any, uh, any training camp observations you have so far there from up in uh, new England, your hometown team. Yeah, so training camp observations, guys. Great to be with you, Michael and Ben here. Uh, it's all the Mac. It's the Mac Jones show, basically, guys. You're hearing Belichick pump him up a ton here. Uh, you're looking at uh, obviously Jones trying to take this leap from year one to year two. So to me, all the all what I'm getting from the Patriots training camp, and maybe Michael, you know, you can you can throw in some color here, is just the belief in Mac Jones making this leap. He kind of worked on his body over the offseason, cut out the ice cream late at night. Maybe I should do the same here, guys. Uh, but I think this Patriots team, obviously, the AFC East. Is, is difficult division now. You have the Buffalo Bills around a minus 225 favorite. Uh, Josh Allen continuing to rise here. You bring in Von Miller. Patriots have had a really difficult time with the Bills over the last few matchups here. Miami's gotten better with Tyreek Hill. Jury's still out on Tua here. And even the Jets, who I'm not uh, as high on the Jets as maybe other people are, but their win total is five and a half really juiced up over, like minus 160. So the AFC East got better. It's a tough conference overall. We've seen the exodus of all these great you know, NFC players going to the AFC. But I'm optimistic with the Pats, guys. It's almost kind of like that Bilo situation here. And if Matt can make this leap, uh, maybe that offsets, uh, you know, some of these other teams getting better. I'm on the over eight and a half with the Patriots win total. Well, look, I, I think I don't think one thing you got to know about the Patriots is is they don't just talk about players just because they try to promote it. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're not running the Tua campaign that they're running down in Miami, <laughs> you know, where every player has to say five nice things about Tua before they get fed breakfast, lunch, or dinner. So that, that's not happening. And, you know, whatever they're saying about Mac Jones is because Mac Jones has been doing it. And I think that's been pretty clear. So, Look, I'm sure Belichick has reminded the team very clearly that we haven't forced Buffalo to punt in two games. <laughs> I'm sure that hasn't yeah. been not noticed by everybody. And they'll be better. I mean, I think this offense, I, I like the move of Trent Brown to left tackle. I really do. I think Trent Brown is a legitimate, really good left tackle. He's in shape. And when he's going and he's playing good, he's a dominant force. And moving win over to right tackle, I think, is good. This offensive line is going to be the strength of their team. I really believe that. And Mac Jones is developing more confidence. 
So I, I think it's all going to come down to, to me, New England, is do they have enough speed on defense? I mean, it yeah. was clear they didn't last year. It's going to be interesting to see if they do it this year. It is so comical. The, the two a quota <laughs> down, in, uh, down in Miami. It's, it's amazing that yes, they have carried it out as, you know, as, as tight as they have actually tried to do. They're starting with a one Tyree kill. Um, the other news of the day for us, Josh, here at least at the network, we've released our college football betting guide. I know you have a couple of plays. I believe you already have a, a Heisman play out as well, and then a couple of teams you're looking at there in the Pac-12 this season. Yeah, so I want to give a lot of kudos to the VEASAN team. This thing has been fantastic. I've been rifling through this uh, you know, th- this guide here, and I think it's some great betting information. Highly recommend people go to VEASAN.com and pick it up. But a couple things, yeah, looking at the Heisman, uh, number one, we talked about this on Betting Across America, but we have seen a flip uh, from Bryce Young to C.J. Stroud that opened up Bryce Young actually around a plus 200 f- uh, favorite. You had C.J. Stroud around plus 400. Those numbers have completely flipped now. Stroud is now at, uh, fallen from 400 down to 200. Bryce Young has moved up from plus 200 to plus 325. So you've seen this early move uh, towards C.J. Stroud. Stroud obviously had a fantastic year last year, 44 touchdowns, just six interceptions. Also using a lot of this good data that we get from BetMGM, Stroud's get, only getting about 14% of tickets, but almost 30% of the money. That's the biggest low bets, higher dollar discrepancy of any player here on the board. So there are some interesting names here. Caleb Williams, can you know can USC make a move? We'll get to the Pac-12 here in a second with Lincoln Riley. Uh, but to me, guys, it's kind of a two-man race here, Stroud and Young, and it looks like the money is going Stroud's way. So I got down in Stroud here around plus 200. You can shop around. I think there are a couple other books closer to like plus 300. So try to find as much plus money as you can. But also guys, if you can kind of play a little back and forth game here, like I think these numbers might, you know, fluctuate throughout the season. So if you can get both these guys that are on plus 300 and say, Hey, as long as one of them wins, I can cash this ticket. Now, if you walk the tightrope, then neither of them win, you're going to lose two units here. But I think the, the whole point here is to target these two guys with as much plus money as you can. But I did place a bet here on Stroud to get it done uh, in the big 10, again, facing uh, defenses that aren't quite as elite as the sec. I expect a big year from Stroud and I'm on Stroud plus 200 to win the Heisman. He's on Stroud. Michael, what do you think about the Heisman races here? Any, any thoughts for you there? Well, I mean, I think this is a lot like the MVP race. I think you, I think Josh makes a great point. You pick two or three guys, and as long as you feel like you can get your money back, now Stroud at plus two hundred, you got to, you know, you're you're not going to get your money back if he hits, right? So you got to use him as a separate. But if you take, you know, if you're Anthony Richardson from Florida, just say he has a great season with Billy Napier, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, you know, they beat Utah in the opener, and he gets really hot, and all, you know, they're really a good team. I think he'll be a really good player. So I think it'll win the Heisman this year? Probably not. Maybe next year. But at 20 to 1, you know, you throw some of those into a hat. Now you got a chance to win it. But I, I think Stroud is the guy. I think I think Bryce Young will pay a price for how talented the players are around him. And you know, even though Stroud's got, you know, we saw those receivers, Morris, Marvin Harrison Jr. against Utah, he was unbelievable. So I, I think it, it, it'll that that'll change a little bit. And, I, I think and, ultimately. Uh, that's where it's going to come into. Right, Smith and Jigba is even on the Heisman list just outside of our first page, but he's in that 28-31 range, the really talented wide receiver there um, at Ohio State. Uh, and you talk about Billy Napier for Florida. That'll be an early test for Utah. I know, Josh, that's a team. You look at the college football guide we just published. A lot of people really high in the Utes this year. Wes Reynolds was, and we talked to him earlier on in the show. What do you, where do you stand on the uh, running Utes? That's, that's the basketball team. Football Utes coming into this fall. What, what are your thoughts on Utah? So I'm with the crew here. I'm with the VEASAN crew on Utah. I'm high on Utah. And kind of the one way I look at, you know, some of the betting guide stuff, guys, is, you know, I'm looking for confirmation. I'm looking at things that I liked before the guide came out, seeing if I can get some of the VEASAN experts that I love and respect to kind of be with me, or are they kind of against me? And maybe I should reevaluate some of the things that I've been leaning on. So this is one that I got a lot of good support on with Utah. So uh, to the crew here who wrote, wrote these write-ups, including, you know, Matty Humans and Dave Tooley and Wes Reynolds and everyone looking at Utah. Number one, Utah is not the favorite to win the Pac-12. You actually have USC as the favorite. They're plus 200. Again, you see the Trojan helmet. You know, you think of the liner ears and, and Reggie Bush, and now you have Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams and the good receiver from Pitt. So they're kind of the, the, the low-hanging fruit here. But I'm with Utah plus 250. I think the value is on the Utes right now. They go 10-4 and four last year. They win the Pac-12. You take down Oregon. And really it leans on, and I think there was some great write-up by Matty Humans. stability, coaching quarterback. If you're going to bet these futures, both in NFL and in college, but especially in college, stability really, really matters because these are young kids and you want to kind of know what you're doing and have some experience versus trying to do it for the first time. So with the coach, Kyle Whittingham, 21-7 and over his last two years, really turning this program around. Uh, you look at the quarterback, Cam Rising, had a great year last year. He led this offense to almost 38 points a game. 20 touchdowns, just five picks, threw for almost 2,500 yards. 
So you have the coach quarterback connection. You have the stability. You're returning 14 starters. So you have a lot of, you know, good players coming back, even though you did lose a few here in the draft. And remember how they ended the year last year, guys, losing 48 to 45 to Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. I mean, you you showed up for that game. You, you barely lost by three points. Could have won that game against one of the best teams in college football. Uh, Adam Burke and Matty Humans mentioned plus 500 to make the college football playoff. That's interesting. Our guy Dave Tooley, 60 to 1 to win the college football playoff. My angle, guys, I'll take the plus 250. I'm high in this Utah team. I love the stability. They're returning starters, and I like the way they ended last year. Hopefully, they move that into this year. 18, 18th season now for Kyle Whittingham in Utah. Michael, I got to think, that's, that's more one of the underrated no. coaches, at least as far as respect he's oh, got he's within the industry. completely underrated. And never has had a top 30 recruiting class. Like, just think about that. He's never had a top 30 recruiting class. He's never gone out there and had the fanfare. Oh, my God, what a great, you know. All they do is they develop toughness. They develop talent. They know who they are. Really, they know who they are. That's why what Matty Humans and Josh and, and, every, and Adam are all saying is they, you're going to bet stability. This is the perfect program to do it. And they're tougher than everybody else. They'll out-tough you. They will out-tough you. Uh, and I think Washington's a good play, too. I like what Wes said about them. Yeah. I like DeBoer as a coach. I really do. But, you know, I don't know, that, I don't know if they're ready to match the toughness of a, a Utah team. Going down the board for Josh here, you have a play as well on Arizona, a team under a Jed Fish, who uh, it was a disaster in year one. Big, like a big, big uh, turnaround job they're asking Fish and company to do there in Tucson. What do you expect out of the Wildcats here in year number two there, Josh? So this is kind of my ultimate fishy number that makes no sense. And you guys know me by now, if it makes no sense and you can't wrap your brain around it, I want to be with that fishy side that makes no sense. Tells me the odds makers have something going on here. So with Arizona, I think this is the perfect example of the fishiest, most disgusting over probably of any team in college football this year, because last year they go one in 11 really, really struggle here in Jed Fish's first year. Now he's going into his second year. Michael knows, you know, he had a cup of coffee there with the Patriots for a bit. But Fish did have a really good recruiting class, one of the best recruiting class in the Pac-12. This guy seems like a motivator who got a lot of kids to commit to this school. They also brought in a nice quarterback transfer here from Washington State, Jaden Delora, who's a big upgrade over their QBs last year. They rotated like four different quarterbacks. They had no stability whatsoever last year. But kind of whittle it down to this, guys. You go 1-11 last year, one of the worst teams in college football. You almost go winless. Your win total this year is 2.5, but it's not 2.5 under minus 165. It's 2.5 over minus 165 so that to me makes absolutely no sense if you're one in 11 and you almost go winless now you're two and a half really juiced up over i think uh, you know you know you look at this from a conventional betting standpoint it's like hammer the under two and a half you know take the plus money i think it's juiced up for a reason i don't know how much faith i have but i have faith in this fishy number give me the wildcats over two and a half wins hey, michael as you know would not be a josh hit without a fishy yeah. number making it making the rods that's, that's josh, yeah. I, i'm with them on that play i mean yeah. their, their schedule colorado's not very good the pac-12 isn't very good i i think they've got a much better team plus they got the freshman of the year and playing quarterback for them from Washington State. Turn around in Arizona. Thanks, Josh. We'll talk again soon. Back for our final segment after this on the Lombardi Line. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets and risk-free tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas, you can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining, shows, and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resorts properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting's premier loyalty program featuring exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager on the BetMGM app. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. As we're back for the final time on the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM, I'm Ben Wilson. It's been a, a pleasure, as always, to uh, do the show with you, Michael. And we're, we're going to get into some of your red ships, blue chips here, talking centers in the National Football League. I wanted to lead into that with yet another piece of injury news because we, we ran through all the injuries today, and then we had another one just pop up, and that is in Chicago where Lucas Patrick injures his right hand. Uh, Matt Aberflus adge- uh, addressing the media this morning says no timetable for Patrick's return. So already a, a, a bottom five most likely offensive line there in Chicago. They've tried to sign a couple auxiliary veteran parts there just to help out. But now you lose your center here uh, heading into uh, Justin Fields' you know, look, second real season as a full-fledged starter there in camp. Well, this is going to be a work in progress in Chicago. I mean, let's be real honest here. I mean, that this offensive line hasn't been very good. You know, they couldn't run the ball. Under Matt Nagy's administration, they never finished higher than 21st in yards per attempt rushing. So, you know, they're not a physical team. They've never been a mentally tough team. So that's all going to have to happen this year. And you're going to have a lot of moving parts. I mean, I, I, I like them to go under their win total. I really do because I don't see how they're going to do it. I don't think they're good on defense. I don't think they're good on offense. And I I think they haven't reached the bottom. Certain teams don't, you know, when you start to slide, the slide doesn't necessarily go all the way down. And this one for Chicago, particularly the fact that they're so bad in the offensive line, to me that gives me the the most concern. So now they have injuries and, you know, I mean, look, I I don't know the level of play that they're going to be able to master in Chicago, even with Fields running around making plays. I mean, Patrick's a good player. They signed him as an unrestricted free agent from Green Bay, so he's got experience. But now they don't have anybody in there. They just mm-hmm. signed Michael Schofield to play right guard. You know, <laughs> right. and he's over 30 years old. They signed Riley Reef to play left. I mean, they're really just patching this line together. It just shows you how bad it is. Yeah, well, it, it seems like every day, and you've seen the signings, and we talked about those earlier in the week, and now you get the Patrick piece of this does not feel like there's a ton of optimism right there in Chicago. I feel like that is the understatement of the week. We have, we've Which made is interesting, Ben, line. right? I mean, they've got a young quarterback, and most teams yeah. that have optimism is always because they have a young quarterback, right? And I, I think this, you know, this is what my, my point earlier in the show was about what Davis Mills is. We don't know about Justin Fields. You know, if, if Davis Mills did what he did in Chicago and was picked in the first round, we would be higher on the Bears, you know, but because he's a third rounder and he's in Houston, we're not very high on him. Whereas I don't know what to think of Justin Fields. I mean, he, you know, he did not look, he looked like an athlete trying to play quarterback. 
Mm-hmm. Look, it, it's a very valid point. Where, where would be if they? Yeah, you'd flip to the draft positions there for for Mills and Fields. Where would be the actual talking points coming in um, to the seasons? It's, it's a great thing to think about. Uh, what we know now, though, Patrick out indefinitely for the Bears at center. Uh, he would not have made your list uh, anyway, uh, anyway, Michael, because we have red chips, blue chips here. First off, before we get into these lists, and you can uh, we do all these positional breakdowns uh, when Femi and Michael record the GM Shuffle, which a new episode uh, is now out. So check that wherever you get your podcast. Uh, how do you base your criteria? When you're looking at centers specifically here for these red chip and blue chip guys. Well, I, I think you got to look at, you know, certainly durability. You got to look at smarts. You got to look at the ability to block on the first and second level and, and handle the volume of, of the blocking schemes and understand you've got to rely more on quickness at times than true power, which I think these guys do. And I, and I think that's really one of the most important qualities to have in this aspect. So, the other thing is intelligence, right? So we, we I told the story on the podcast that one of the things that we did in, in Cleveland when we first started out with our grading system was any offensive lineman who tested 20, a 20 score, 20, uh, a 20 test score or below mm-hmm. on, on, the, on the Wonderlick test, we automatically gave them an M. Now, that didn't stay with them forever. What that meant was we needed to do more research on their mental ability. Can they handle all the information? Can they process? Can they do all the things you have to do within the offensive line? And then what also told us, Ben, it told us that if, you have, if you're able to handle that, then you also have the ability to handle injury because there is a direct correlation between playing with pain and concentrating and intelligence. There's a direct correlation to that. Yeah. Because when your elbow bothers you, your knee hurts, you focus on that. You don't focus on the snap count. You make mistakes. So I, I think that's where we tried to get it. So intelligence plays a huge factor in putting this list together. As far as your red chip centers, so these are two of the guys who just missed out on the cut. You listed five here, blue chips, your top five centers in the NFL. We just talked about J.C. Treader, who is a free agent right now, longtime Cleveland Brown, could potentially be now on the move to Tampa Bay. Um, were, were you, where would you have thought he would have landed before the Jensen injury happened there for the Bucs? Like, were you thinking he would just start the year as a free agent and just kind of figure out where it, would, where it would work out based no, on injuries I, around the league? I mean, the guy played a th- over a thousand plays last year for Cleveland. I thought he played really well. You know, he's only going to be 32 years old. I mean, he's he's over 31 right now. So, you know, he's not like he's and these offensive linemen. I mean, David Andrews is 30 years old. So they, these guys, they, you know, for the most part, Travis Kelsey is going to be 35 years old. So, you know, it's a position that requires experience. I would think that Tampa's made the phone call. Now, maybe he wants to make X amount of dollars and nobody wants to pay that price. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the head of the players union. And he has said, look, I know, what the, I know what the deals are. This is what I should get. And maybe we'll find out. I don't know. To me, it seems like it really seems like that it's the natural fit for him to go from a Cleveland team to Tampa and really, you know, now you can win it. You might be able to win a title. Andrews to me is a really good player. He's, it's not always perfect, but mm-hmm. he's smart. He's tough. He's physical. You know, he sets the tempo for that team. And I, I thought he played well for them last year. As far as your blue chips, then, as we go down to your, your top five here, um, as far as these guys, who was, who was, I guess, the last one to make the list that maybe you were, you were the, the closest on differentiating between the blue and the red chips here? I, I, well, I mean, I think to me, uh, I, I would say McCoy from, from uh, New Orleans. Orleans. He yeah. probably was the one guy, you know, that I wasn't quite perfectly fit on. You know, I, I mean, he played, you know, he missed some games last year. I like his talent. I think he's got better upside. So I would say he was, I think all the other ones, Ragnon, I think certainly he's got a chance to be a really good player. You know, he's had injury history too, so that's always been a problem. But for me, I think he's a good player that's going to continue to get better and better. And I think it gives them a chance, really, when you look at it, I think it gives them a chance to improve their team because their offensive line in Detroit is so much better. I mean, I think it's that that's they've improved in that area. I think Sewell, the left tackle, right tackle, he almost mm-hmm. was he almost made the list. And then they have, you know, Taylor Decker who made the list. So, you know, last year Ragnon went out in week four of the season with an injury. And so he, you know, those two guys, McCoy and Ragnon, I, I put on the list, but they probably are more of, you know, they're they're more in the red category than they are in the blue, but I put them on there because of their talent. 
Yeah, and you, it's part of why we've talked about a lot of people being high on Detroit this season with Dan Campbell there uh, as head coach because it re- does really start with them specifically at the Lions and their offensive line. Uh, there's another, there's a couple yeah. teams here that are like, that are certainly going to be protecting very, very valuable, uh, I should say, centers who are protecting extremely valuable quarterbacks this year, or at least uh, starting that, uh, you know, starting that protection with the entire offensive line. Creed Humphrey with Kansas City protecting Mahomes, Corey Lindsley there in LA uh, protecting Justin Herbert. Uh, of those two, is there one you give an edge to, or do you feel like those? quarterbacks both have to be in really good positions with those two guys right in front of them I, I think both those players are really good and, and look I think Kansas City's done a really good job give Candy Reed credit he fixed his offensive line he left that Super Bowl where he knew his line cost him and also give the Chargers credit right Tom Tom Telesco I mean he fixed the line he gets Lindsey paid a heavy price for him then he drafts Slater who's a really good player so now he's got two offensive linemen in that line that I think are playing really well so for me I, I you know to me that's the key to being successful you want to be able to have a bunch of blues and reds in your offensive mm-hmm. Line and a team like you know a team like the Los Angeles Chargers with a really good quarterback when they get good offensive line play that quarterback will play better and they, they are there's certain teams like New Orleans has historically invested in their offensive line they continually do that they pick guys in the first and second round and that's no reason why they've been so consistent on offense and then you got Jason Kelsey uh, rounds out that list as well might be a vet 34 but I mean the, the production's been there I mean his entire career been a, a, does does not surprise me that he would yeah. make your list Michael. No, I mean, you just like today, I saw a clip on Twitter, you know, where you watch him. One of the things you always want to see as an offensive lineman is how quickly they get their second step on the ground. So when they take their first step, how quickly the second step hits the ground, because that puts them in position to make the block and their ability to bend. And and Kelsey still does it at a high level, and, and he does a really nice job, and he covers up. He's smart. He'll make all the blocks mm-hmm. for them and make all the pot calls for, for Hurts to help him out. Those are the blue chip centers for one, Michael Lombardi. This has been, uh, as always, a very, very fun exercise over the past couple hours with you, Michael. We'll see you tomorrow on the show with Dave Ross on the Lombardi line. And up next, it is Odds On with Amal Shaw, Mike Palm from our Circus Sportsbook Studios right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.